0: Uh, We've been going through this series in the series of Acts. Um, What we're calling is is, uh, Don't Waste Christmas. And this is the second kind of week that we're talking through that. If you weren't here, last week we talked about uh, from from Acts chapter 5. We looked at verses 17 through 26. And uh, and in that, the apostles are preaching. And uh, as they're preaching, they're arrested and they're put in prison. And then what we talked about last week was how the angel came and let them out. They let them go. The angel comes and, and opens up the prison door and the apostles the, uh, go out. And, and the apostles and the angel tells the apostles, uh, go to the temple and preach. And so they do. They go to the temple and they preach the gospel. They tell people about Jesus. And, and and so the the religious leaders go to get them out of prison. They find out that they're not there. Lo and behold, here they are preaching again in the temple. And, uh, and so at the end of last week, we talked about that they were arrested again and brought before the religious leaders and that's what we're going to pick up with today we're going to look starting at verse 27 we're going to read all the way through the end of the chapter uh, chapter 5 today so acts chapter 5 starting with verse 27 and when they had brought them they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying we strictly charged you not to teach in this name yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us but Peter and the apostles answered we must obey God rather than men the God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins and we are witnesses to these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care of what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed. So they took his advice and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. We pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word that we can come around it. We can hear from you. We can look to it. And God, you speak through it. You change lives through it. And we praise you for that. And we just ask that you give us faith this morning to believe it. And to look to you with hearts that are ready to surrender. To listen to you with ears that are ready to believe. And God, we pray that you'd speak to us and change us. Make us the people that you want us to be, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, just real quick, if I'm yelling at you today, I'm not mad at you. I promise. I, my ears are totally clogged up. I can't really hear, and so if I start yelling, I'm not mad. Um, just plug your ears or something, okay? I apologize. Anyway, uh, Acts chapter five, um, verse twenty-seven. We we just we mentioned about last week. Here's the here's the apostles who have been arrested for talking about Christ. And in in, in that, they come and and they arrest them. They put them in prison. This angel comes and lets them go and says to them, go and, and keep doing what got you arrested. Go into the temple and preach the gospel. So they do that and they're caught again and they're brought before the apostles. And I love this series of events that we're going to talk about today. I love what happens because this is our example. I mean, this is the early church. These are the people that we know just gave everything for God. They believed in God. They treasured God. And so we can look to that and say, man, how am I to live? How am I called to live? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to respond? How ought my life to look? And I love this because it's a great example for us. It's a great example for me. So here's these apostles who are arrested. They're brought before uh, the leaders. And and when they brought them before them, it says uh, the high priest questioned them, saying in verse 28, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name i remember a couple chapters back even before last week and and, uh chapters back they were arrested peter and john and they said listen you can't teach or preach anymore in the name of jesus and so peter's response then was hey whether it's right to obey god or men you decide but as for us we have to do what we've experienced we have to do what we've seen we have to tell what we've heard we have we have to do what god has told us to do is what he's saying. And so they're arrested then and they're let go, and now they're arrested again. And, and, and that's what the um, high priest is questioning them, saying, We strictly charge you, don't teach in this name. And yet, here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. I think that's an important phrase. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Here are people who are so devoted to God, who are so in love with God, who so treasure him. Remember, they said, we got to keep talking because he told us to. And we got to keep talking because of all that we've experienced, all that we have seen in Christ. We have to tell people. And so here they are telling people, telling people. And what the high priest says is, you have filled Jerusalem with this teaching it's not just a little group or a little small church in the corner who's just every week they're meeting together and here they're talking about this and don't tell anybody about it you know but literally the high priest says you filled jerusalem with this teaching what would they say of us i mean literally if they if they called me in and said man we told you not to speak about this guy and you filled marcus cinema with your teaching," is that as far as it would go I mean, you filled your house with this teaching and we told you not to. And here your house is full of this teaching or how far would it go with you? How far would it go with me? How much do do we how much has God transformed us that our conversations? We just we just have to tell people what God has done in our life. What they say of us Uh, of the apostles, they said you filled Jerusalem with this teaching. Now, we now I want you to. Imagine that, okay, because we, we read in, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, that the apostles and the, and the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to meeting together, to fellowship. It says daily they met together. They devoted themselves to, to taking communion, remembering what Christ had done to them. And they devoted themselves to praying together. That seems like a full plate to me. That seems like a pretty full plate. And yet, in the midst of it, they found time somehow to just preach and preach and teach and tell and tell and tell, to go to people and say, You need to know what Christ has done. You need to know what I've experienced. You need to know who God is. You need to know how good God is. You need to know about Jesus. You need to know that He didn't die and stay dead. I mean, just this passion for Jesus where they just had to go and tell people. They just loved him. They treasured him that much. And then the high priest says, you filled Jerusalem with. I love this next line. We strictly charge you not to teach in this this name, yet here you fill Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Why? Because over and over again, here's the apostle saying, listen, you killed Jesus, but God raised him from the dead. You killed him, but God raised him from the dead. And so in the, the high priest's eyes who made the judgment of crucify him um, it, it it would appear that the apostles are blaming him right but it's not just that it's 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 all of our sins it's it's because of our sin and that's what the apostles are saying too it's because of our sin that he had to die and even though they killed him god didn't leave him dead he raised him to life that's the apostles teaching Verse 29 says, but Peter and the apostles answered. OK, here's the high priest who says, we told you we strictly told you not to talk in this name anymore. And yet here you fill Jerusalem with it. And here's Peter and the apostles response in verse 29 says, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. You, you may not like it. And it's not. And here's here as we go into this part. OK, this is very important. It's not that the apostles are not submitting to authority. It's not that at all. In fact, the fact that they're in the presence of the authority is submission to them. And, and, And the apostles are recognizing you can do with us as you please. You can imprison us. You can beat us. You can kill us. We submit to the authority that you have to punish us. But we have to obey God. We must obey God because God is God. And he's done so much for us and we treasure him. And so we have to obey God. God told us to go to the nations and proclaim the gospel and make disciples. And so that's what we're doing. We have to obey him. He's God and he's done so much for us. And so we, the response is just that first. We must obey God rather than man. And here's the why. I love this. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree, God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Here is a short version of what they just said. We have to obey God because we're satisfied with him and we treasure him and we love him. God. God exalted christ you killed him you wanted to stop christ but god said that he would exalt him and so he raised him from the dead and he exalted jesus christ as leader and savior savior forgiver of our sins cleaner of us inside remover of our debt god exalted him above all things and 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 put him at his right hand as leader and savior So that if we do repent, if we do turn from the evil of our lives, if we do come to him, he will forgive us. He'll take away our sin. And so we have to obey him because we treasure him. We value him. We're satisfied with what he has done. And and no matter what happens to us, we're satisfied with him. No matter what you do to us, we're satisfied with God. It goes on and we're going to come back to that. But in verse 33, it says, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them that's important you know we talked a lot about don't waste christmas i mean jesus came to seek and save the lost and 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 therefore christmas if, if we really believe that it's about christ is more than just setting up a nativity it's it's about seeking and saving the lost if that's why jesus came and, and we believe that christmas is about him coming then then christmas has to be a, about us fulfilling the reason he came which is seeking and saving the lost and so um as we think through that uh, verse 33 is important because so often we don't want to go and seek to save the lost. We don't want to go and, and talk to people. We don't want to confront people with the gospel. We don't want to um, tell the truth about the gospel. Because we're afraid that people will be offended. and We're afraid that people will be mad at us. We're afraid that, that people will, will not like us anymore. We're afraid that we'll lose the opportunity to talk to them anymore. We're afraid that they'll cut us off. We're afraid that they won't have anything to do with us anymore. And I think this verse is important. OK, because the truth is the gospel is offensive. I mean, look at what the gospel is saying in this passage. What the apostles are saying is you killed God. You killed Jesus. And for us to truthfully tell the gospel, we have to say the same thing. I've it about ourselves sin. Our sin is why God had to die. That's offensive. To go to anyone and say you are a sinner and God's not pleased with you is offensive. There's no way to get around that. I mean, guys, there's just no way for us to get around that. I can't go to a single person and say you disgust God and, and for them to say, I know. Isn't that great? It's just offensive. It's offensive. It was offensive for me to realize that I had done things to offend God. But the beauty of it is to get to the point where, where someone understands that Jesus in spite of what we've done to offend God, made it possible for all of that to be forgiven. And that's beautiful. And we the gospel's going to be offensive. OK, and sometimes and, 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 and the reason I point out verse 33 is there are times when it will enrage people. There's sometimes that people will be so angry at someone for telling them the gospel, telling them about Christ. It may happen. It might happen to you. I mean, if you if you decide, you know, I'm not going to waste Christmas and I'm not going to waste the rest of my life. I'm going to live a life that tells people the truth about Christ. There may be people who are furious with you. It might happen. There may be people who want to kill you. It might happen. But what it has to come down to is when I get underneath all that, I have to ask myself, is God worth it? Is Jesus worth that? Is Jesus worth me losing some friendships over? Is Jesus worth me losing some relationships over? Is Jesus worth me being hated? Is he worth me dying for? That's the questions I have to come down to. And I think the apostles had dealt with all that. And they weren't asking the question anymore. It was just God, 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 God. We're consumed with God. We're satisfied with God. So we're going to do what he said. And Whatever happens, whatever comes on us, if, if, the, if the religious leaders who killed Jesus are enraged with us, that's a byproduct, I guess. And, and, but we're going, to, we're going to obey God rather than man. And if they decide to kill us, that's a byproduct i guess that's just what comes from it because we're going to obey god rather than man and we don't care what happens to us we don't care what the result is as long as god is honored by how we're living and by what we're saying and by what we're doing And so here's the apostles who who stand before the sanhedrin and, and stand before the high priest and they're enraged they want to kill them but a pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people. He stands up. So here's this guy that people look to. They respect him. And he, and he presents this case. He says, listen, there are people who have risen up before. Uh, there was a guy who, who, who he says um, in verse 36, there's a guy whose name was Theodos. And he rose up and he he claimed um, to be somebody is, is, is how it's worded. He claimed to be somebody and a number of people, 400 people followed him. And we've seen that, right? We've seen situations where someone will just rise up and say, hey, follow me. I'm I'm the, the the savior of the world. And people follow, right? You guys remember Waco, Texas? You remember that? Are you guys, is that old? Am I old? Ah, got it. Well, that's the best I can remember, all right? Um, well, this guy, uh, David Koresh, right? Remember, he rises up and all these people follow him and they, they ended up getting in this building and, and the government had to come out and, and like do stuff. So, um... But they followed him, right? Well, what happened when he died? So did the whole thing. I mean, there's no, I don't know of any, I've never heard of any David Koresh followers since then. And that's what, that's what, when, when Gamaliel stands up and, he, and he's presenting this case, he says, listen, people rise up and they say, follow me because I'm the savior of the world or I'm this or I'm that or whatever. Follow me. I'll get you to heaven and whatever it is. And people will follow them. People will follow people. But what happens when they die? It says this guy died. And and what happened? They dispersed and nothing happened to that group anymore. And and it talks about another group. It says um, Judas, the Galilean, he rose up in the days of the census, drew away some of the people after him. And he too perished and all follow him were scattered. He says so in the same way, in this case, don't don't do anything yet. Be careful is what he's saying, because if this is from God, you're not going to be able to stop it. If this truly is from God, if Jesus really is the savior of the world, you're not going to be able to stop it. If you kill the apostles, it's still going to go on. If you kill the church underneath them, it's still going to move forward. It doesn't matter what you do. God is not going to fail. It's not going to fail if it's from God. But if it isn't from God, it's going to pass away. And if it's not from God, then, then and if these people die, whatever happens to them, it's going to, you know, Jesus died. And so if he really didn't rise again, then it's just going to f- fade away. And we're not going to hear any more of it because that's just what happens. But you might find yourself, that's what he says, but you might find yourself opposing God. It's beautiful. I really believe that's God speaking through this, this man here in the San Heron and just saying, be careful, because you might find yourself opposing God. And so they, they end up deciding not to kill them. They end up deciding not to do that. And, and, and guys, I want, you to, I want you to think through that. I mean, I'm blown away as I read through that, just thinking through that. It's 2,000 years later. I mean, this happened 2,000 years ago. And here, Christ is just going and going and going and going. And this is still true. I mean, everything that he said is still true. You go to countries where people are dying for telling people about Jesus... The gospel and Christianity is not dying with them. It's not. In fact, in places where people are being persecuted and people are dying and all those things, people are being imprisoned, people are being tortured because they believe in Jesus, because they're telling other people about Jesus. It's like wildfire. I mean, the gospel is spreading faster in those areas than in any other place. It's truth because God is behind it. And God's in it and 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 so you can't you can kill the body but you're not going to kill God and so his message is going to continue to go out and, and that's the case here and and I think about that as we as we look 2,000 years later and hear the gospel is still going and going and going and God is changing people's lives as they surrender themselves to Jesus Christ and he's changing their lives he's forgiven their sins and on and on and on it goes and until he comes again It's going to go on and on and on. And no matter what happens, no matter what happens in America, no matter what happens in Asia, no matter what happens anywhere in the world, the gospel will still go forward because it's God. And it's the story of his son. And it's the story of how he came to give us life, to give us freedom, to give us forgiveness. And so it goes on in in, uh, verse 40. uh, Right before verse 40, it says, so they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they didn't, they didn't just let them go. They didn't say, oh, okay, just go. It's fine. Um, they brought them in. They brought the disciples back in. And they beat them. And it's, in that culture, a serious thing. Uh, you don't want to get beaten. It's not like, a, you know, a ticket. Um, it's not like getting written a ticket. They got beat Uh, because they kept talking about jesus and i love their response it's beautiful i mean here they are beaten and they're probably bruised it's probably hard to walk it's probably hard to get themselves out of there and the response is this then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name Do I treasure Jesus that much? Am I so satisfied with God? Am I so satisfied with Christ that no matter what happened to me, if I was attacked, if I was beaten, whatever, that I would arise and rejoice and be thankful that I would be considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus Christ? Do I treasure Him that much? That's that's huge. I mean, it's easy to sit in a comfortable chair and to think, yes, I treasure Jesus that much. But when you're being beaten and when you're suffering, do we rise up and we say, Jesus, thank you for considering me worthy to suffer for you. Uh, you suffered for me. I mean, that was your life. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago where he gave us an example to follow, where God gave us an example to follow in Christ who suffered for us so that, so that we could have forgiveness of sins and we rise up and say thank you. Thank you for allowing us to suffer dishonor for your name. That's how the apostles respond. It's verse 42 it says "And every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching jesus is to christ two things here that we see in people who treasure christ two things here that we see in people who really are satisfied with god really are satisfied with christ and all that they have in him number one is rejoicing i mean no matter what comes because of christ no matter what comes into our life because of who god is and and what we're doing for him the first response and the the response of our heart is thankfulness thanksgiving that god would even allow us to be connected to him that much but the second thing is That they didn't turn around and go the other way. I mean, that's beautiful. Here's the apostles who have just been beaten and they rise up and they say, thank you, God, that we would be considered worthy to suffer for your name. And they didn't leave and say, we got to pack our bags. We got to get out of here. We got to find another place. We got to find a safer place to talk to people. The next verse is this every day in the temple where they were arrested and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Man. How easily are we discouraged. How easily are we discouraged. I mean I'll share the gospel with someone. And they'll come back harshly. And just be frustrated with me and their answer. And I'm just like oh man. Just forget it. You know this is hard. Isn't that how we respond so often. We just give up. And here's the apostles who were beaten. Because they were in the temple preaching about christ and instead of giving up and going the other way they celebrated and thanked god for what he had done and they went back to the same spot every day to tell people about jesus why because jesus is valuable because jesus is to be treasured because jesus will satisfy you enough to cause you to do that jesus will satisfy you enough that you don't care what happens you just want to live for him You just want to obey him. You just want to do whatever he's commanded so that you, like the apostles, can respond, we must obey God rather than man. We've got to live for God. We treasure him. We value him. We are satisfied with him. I started thinking through that word, um, satisfied. There's a verse, there's two verses, uh, but a passage in in Psalm 73 that I've I've shared here before is one of my favorite passages, but Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My portion forever. I thought about what does it mean? Because here's the apostles. When you look at their response where, where we must obey God rather than man. And then they go through and they tell the why. This is what God did and this is who Christ is. It's screaming to me we're satisfied with God. And it doesn't matter, you can't take that satisfaction away. We're absolutely satisfied with God. It, 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 it rings exactly the same as what the psalmist prayed back in Psalm 73. Who am I in heaven but you? There's nothing on earth, nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh, my heart may fail. God is the strength of my heart and my portion. He's enough. He's enough forever. I'm satisfied with God. Can we honestly say that? I thought about that and I instantly thought about thanksgiving uh you know it's recent and but i love food and i talk about it a lot um i don't know how you handle food but i if you've been around me with meals i talk about it i just love eating and i like to talk about it and it just and so i thought about thanksgiving and and uh and just how what does it mean to be satisfied you know i think about after a thanksgiving meal i am absolutely completely satisfied when i say that i mean i can't go back for more it would be harmful for me to go back for more because i'm so satisfied and it's so good i just i love food i love thanksgiving meal i love mashed potatoes and gravy and 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 rolls and all of that stuff and i know we're getting close to lunch here but that's it's just i love it i love it i love talking about it and after thanksgiving this year it was the same thing i just sat there i was so full there's more pumpkin pie sitting there and it's so good, but I couldn't get any more because I was satisfied. I was completely filled, and I was satisfied. And sometimes it's different. Like uh David Caressa came with us for Thanksgiving. And 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 I sat down and I had this plate of food that was pretty full. I mean, I thought it was very full. And 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 so I sit down and Dave comes in and sits next to me. I'm not kidding. This pile of food is like this. There were things hidden. I mean, there were different entrees hidden under other entrees. And I'm like, okay, your capacity is bigger than my capacity for satisfaction. But that's the case. I mean, that's the case. Sometimes you'll come out and you just, it takes this much food and you just, ah, and you're, but you're satisfied afterwards. And here's a problem, I think, and it's so often people of us in the church, when we talk about Christ we say we're satisfied with Christ, if we really look at our plate, It would be like if I just came out and I had a little piece of turkey on my Thanksgiving plate. And I was like, ah, that's enough for me. If I eat this, I'll be satisfied. But what we're really doing is just making an excuse because we don't want a lot of Jesus and we haven't taken a lot of Jesus. We haven't given him everything and filled ourselves with him. We haven't surrendered everything and filled ourselves with him. And what happens, what what I'm finding is the more that I surrender, the more that I'm filled with Christ, the more satisfied I am with him and nothing else. So that I can say with the psalmist, whom have I in heaven but you. You're all I want. There's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. You're my treasure. You're You're what satisfies me. This Psalm 23 um, is a great passage. Psalm 23 um, is probably the most popular psalm. but It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When Christ is truly shepherding us, when when we've given our life to him, when we've surrendered everything for him, what the response is, is I have no want of anything else because i have jesus and he satisfies me and if everything else was taken if everything else was taken from me then i could say i'm satisfied jesus with you can we honestly say that can we honestly honestly say that about christ I mean, here's the apostles, because we talked last week, and this is why I wanted to talk about this this week. We talked last week about don't waste your Christmas. Don't waste Christmas this year. If, if Christ came to seek and save the lost, then that's what we have to be about. If, we're, if we really believe that Christmas is about Christ coming and he came to seek and save the lost, then how are we including that in all of the plans that we're making for Christmas? How are we including that in, in what we're doing for Christmas? And if we're really about Christ, if we really treasure him, we really believe that that's why he came then that's why we are here. And then our goal for Christmas is to seek and save the lost. And our goal for January is to seek and save the lost. And for February and March and April, May, and throughout the year, then I and my cause and my purpose is to seek and save lost people because that's why Jesus came. And that's what he's called me to do. And so I wanted to talk about this this week because, to be honest, everything we talked about last week, we can scrap if we don't treasure Christ. If we're not satisfied with Jesus, number one, I guarantee you, you're not telling people about him because the things I'm satisfied with. Now, think with me here. Honestly, the things I'm satisfied with, I don't hesitate telling people about whether I'm at work, whether I'm with the neighbors, no matter where I'm at, I bring up and talk about the things that I'm satisfied with. None of us ever argues that it's not okay to talk about our wife and kids at work. We never argue with that, but it's not okay to talk about Jesus at work. And we never argue that it's not okay to talk to our neighbors about uh, the BCS and the problems with the BCS. I mean, honestly, I thought about that after last week. How many of us that probably struggled with we can't talk about Jesus at work. We're supposed to, you know, uh, be good workers and we can't talk about with our neighbors because they'll be offended and all that. How many of us have had dozens of conversations about how the BCS is messed up? We need a new system. And we'll talk for minutes and even go into the half hour and and whatever, talking about the BCS or talking about our wife and our kids or or whatever else. Why? We're satisfied with those things. Those things bring us pleasure. Those things bring us, uh, they lift our hearts. And so we're satisfied with that. And that's why we will talk about it freely. And when we're satisfied with God, I'm telling you, you don't need sermons like last week when i'm satisfied with christ it's just what comes out and i become like an apostle who says i can't not talk about god i have to talk about everything he's done inside of me it would be almost impossible for me to close my mouth and not talk about the greatest treasure in my life it would be nearly impossible that's what the apostles are like and that's what we will be like and I wanted to I wanted to do something um, this morning and, and it's going to put some people on the spot that's okay alright I'm on the spot all the time alright uh, and so Kevin and Karen I'm going to have you stand up alright it's not bad you don't have to know anything I promise alright you don't have to know anything uh, let's see someone's not too Brian and Amanda I'm going to have you stand up alright come on I love you Joe and Kate I'm going to have you stand up we'll just do three couples alright and and uh, it's okay. Just, just honest, uh, please here, okay? You're not giving spiritual answers here. I don't want you to, like, think through what is going to impress people. Just be honest, okay? All right? I'll start with Joe and Kate so that you, you guys are closer and I don't want you to hurt me. All right? Uh, what's that? Oh, no. I apologize. Maybe I'm not talking loud enough. Um, you know, I want us to share, honestly, and this is an opportunity for us to know people in the body better, but uh, it's a tough question. I'm not going to lie to you um but just briefly all right what would it mean to you and one of you can answer joe i'm going to make you answer okay uh if you lost your wife uh-huh what would have to change i'm going to go to the next person brian amanda what would brian you can you answer men we're going to answer men all right what would change for you if you lost your wife okay kevin yeah yeah good good job good job good job That's good answers it's true i mean i thought about for myself before i asked you guys to stand up i honestly i thought through this what would it mean for me what would change in my life if i lost shauna everything Everything would change. I mean, the things I talk about would change. The things I do every day would change. Everything would change for me. Here's what I want to ask you, okay? Because I'm satisfied with my wife. I'm completely satisfied with my wife. I don't want anyone else not looking to be Mormon. Not anything like that, okay? <laughs> like, I am completely satisfied with my wife, all right? Sorry. Um, but honestly, what I wanted us to think through, honestly, what would Happen? What would change in your life if Jesus was taken out of your life? Honestly. I mean, for me, for my wife, if I lose my wife, everything changes. Day in and day out, everything changes. What changes for you if Jesus is taken out of your life? This hour? I mean, you free up and you have more stuff to do on Sunday morning and you wouldn't have to go to life group anymore. What changes? Do my conversations have to change? I mean, if Jesus is taken out of my life, if he's just not there anymore, do my conversations have to change or can I keep talking about the same stuff I've been talking about? Do my evenings have to change because. I've done things for Jesus in the evenings, or can I just keep watching the same stuff and keep doing the same stuff with the same people? Does anything at all in my life except for coming to church. Does anything have to change in my life if Jesus is taken out? If I'm satisfied with Jesus, if he's my treasure, if he's everything to me, everything changes if I lose him. Everything. He affects the things I talk about. He affects. He is what I talk about. Everything in my life changes if I treasure him and if I'm satisfied with him. Guys, honestly, honestly, it's it's a huge, huge, important question. I talked about this last week and, and we're so many things in our life as christians we start dealing with down the road and we say we got to get this straightened up before we die or we got to get this straightened up we got to get this straightened up we got to take care of this part of my life for jesus and so many of those things are things that jesus said you better take care of that or you're not worthy of following me if your parents or your kids or your wife are more important to you than me You're not worthy of me. Don't follow me. If you're not willing to lay down your life and die for me, you're not worthy of me. Don't follow me. There's so many things that we hear in church and and we're just like, man, that is that was an intense sermon. Like that was hardcore. That was man. For me to do that would be like extreme Christianity. And if we read what Jesus says, it's beginning of Christianity. Jesus says, if we're not willing to give our life, if we're not willing to give everything, don't follow me because you're not worthy of me. Give everything because when you do, what you will find is I will satisfy all of your longings. I will satisfy all of your wants. I'll satisfy all of your desires. I will satisfy everything in your life and you'll find more joy in me so that you can say with the psalmist whom have I in heaven but you there's nothing on earth I desire besides you my flesh and my heart may fail I might get sick I might get poor I might get this I might get this but God you are the strength of my life and my portion forever there's nothing that could come into my life not hatred not injury not anything that could separate me from your love and I found so much joy in you can we say that or have we just added have we just added Christianity onto our to- do list, and one of our to do things is to go to church on Sunday mornings, but we're not following and treasuring Jesus for everything that he is and can be for us? We challenge you today if that's not you, if that's not you, please, please today, man, let's come before Christ together. I would love to pray with you after the service, I'd love to talk to you after the service. I would love for you to know what jesus talks about when he says follow me he doesn't talk about praying a prayer he doesn't talk about things like that he says give everything follow me give me your life trust me with your life follow me and he says you will find treasure in me beyond anything you've ever imagined you'll find joy in me beyond anything you've ever imagined now really quick i just want to summarize um, a passage from scripture you can look at it later i would encourage you to do it but Mark chapter five, as we think through not wasting um, Christmas this year um, and Jesus coming to seek and save the lost. There's this incredible passage in Mark chapter five where Jesus goes to the um, goes across the Sea of Galilee. comes to this place and there's this guy up on the hill and it says he's naked and they chain him and he's demon possessed. Nice intro to a story, right? But here's this guy who's absolutely out of his mind. It says the people of the city, they just keep him outside the city because they can't control him. They would bind him with chains. They would do all these things and no one could contain him. He would bust through the chains, all this stuff because of demon possession. All right. Well, Jesus comes into the picture and this these demons are crying out. Don't hurt us. Don't don't torment us. Don't do all this stuff. And uh, and Jesus says, come out of the man. He says, what is your name? They said Legion, because there's many of us. And Jesus says, come out of the man. And, and the demons, because they don't want to be tormented, they don't want to be sent into hell to be tormented forever, they say, well, well let us go into the pigs instead. It's an, if you haven't read this story, Mark chapter 5, you've got to read this. It's so cool. And so Jesus says, okay. He lets them. I mean, it's wild, okay? So he lets them. He says, okay. And so the demons come out, and they go into the pigs. It says 2,000 pigs are possessed by these demons, and they run over this cliff, and they die. I just imagine, like, that's pretty wild. I mean, that's something I haven't seen happen or anything like that. And so here's this picture of what happens. And all the people that saw it happen, they run to the city and they say, you got to come see this. And so they come and imagine these people, they look over the cliff and there's this mess of 2,000 pigs. And like, But it says that then they look and here's this man who they've tried to contain for years, clothed and sitting and in his right mind. And it says the response was they were afraid. They were afraid because they couldn't believe that something like this could happen in a person's life. He was totally different. And they were so afraid that they looked at Jesus and they said, we don't want you here. Go just leave. We don't want anything to do with you. Leave. And so Jesus gets in the boat and he starts to leave. And this guy who he's healed runs to him and says, I want to go with you. Please take me with you. I want to be with you. Please take me with you. you and Jesus says no go back to the city and tell everyone how much God has done for you and what Jesus says is go back to the people who don't want me go back to the people who won't have me around go back to the people who are afraid go back to the people who are sending me out go back to the people who don't like me and tell them about me tell them everything I've done for you and it says he did (laughs) It says so that he went into the city and and he would proclaim in the city the things that God has done for him. Now, the beautiful thing about that passage is two chapters later, Jesus comes back across the Sea of Galilee to the same place. And it says they recognized him and the whole city came out and brought their sick to Jesus. Because of one man's faithfulness and obedience to not taking what Jesus had done in his life. And keeping it to himself. Not being satisfied with going back to his house and sitting down and saying thanks Jesus. Uh, thanks for the food too. And I am promise I'll pray for my food every meal and then we'll have this neat relationship. No. He obeyed God. When Jesus said go and tell people all that I've done for you. No matter what they think of me. Go tell them what I've done for you. And he did it. And a whole city has changed because of it. And do we believe that? The greater things are yet to come for this city that God wants to use you and that's why he told you to go and make disciples of all nations that's why he told you to do it because he wants to use you as part of his plan to reach people for his glory do we believe that do we believe that God's calling us to that and then are we willing to say with the apostles we we have to obey God rather than man and people may be frustrated with us people may not like us but God if you choose to use us thank you and if you choose to allow us to be persecuted thank you for allowing us to suffer dishonor for your name let me pray god thank you so much for your goodness and your grace and and lord there's no doubt that that your words are hard Are hard for me i i just i look at what you've called us to and it's it's impossible unless you're with us and the greatest promise in the great commission is that you said you would be with us always to the end of the age that you have not left us here to do this by yourself you said i'm going with you and i have all authority jesus we need you we need you to to reveal yourself more to us and in the same way you you did to this man who you cast the demons out of in the same way you did to the apostles who treasured you so much who were so satisfied with you they just they just said, we, we have to obey God. And, and so daily they went into the temple, the same place they were arrested, and they preached about Christ. God, help us. Help us. We are so used to making excuses. We're so used to finding ways out of being your disciples. We're so used to f- figuring out ways that we don't have to commit ourselves to you completely. Forgive us. And help us, help us to believe that you are the son of God. Help us to believe that you gave your very life so that we would not be guilty of sins when we come before you. So that we can live forever with you, God. Help us to believe. Help us to overcome our unbelief. Help us to not be satisfied with with the things of this world. But to want you and only you. And to be able to say that you are our portion, and if everything else is gone, we still have you, and it is enough. Help us to be satisfied with you, God, today. And if there's anyone here that right now is struggling with, with excuses and with thinking that they don't have to give everything, or whatever it is, Lord, I know I've thought those same things. And I've tried to get out of what you've called me to Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reign in this place right now and move and work in the hearts of people that those that you are calling would hear your voice and rise up and say, we will live for you. We will obey you. We will give everything for the cause of Jesus Christ. Pray that you be glorified through us today, Lord. Help us to worship with different hearts right now, God, than we did at the beginning of the service. Help us to be satisfied. Help us to be full. Help us to not want anything else but to be able to say you're enough for us, Jesus. And we are so grateful. We're so thankful for who you are. You are good. And you've given yourself to us. We praise you and thank you, God, for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.